starting a new series today, and um, I've taught this series, I think, three times. I've taught on this same subject, probably more, but I mean where I did a whole uh, long series on this, because um, I've, I've got two CD packages on this where I taught on the love of God. Um, But there's, there's, something, there's something about this message that um, it, it, it does something to you because it really goes against the grain. I mean, really goes against the grain. When you start seeing in some of the scriptures that we'll read today, and I'm, today I'm just going to lay a foundation, and actually the title of my message today is The Nature of Love. The Nature of Love. And it, this, this message is so deep-seated, and it takes so much time to develop. There's, there's no way around it, because... You can hear this message, and you can hear one message that I'm going to bring to you today. And that message will not deliver you. And you won't go in one day from not walking in love to walking in love in every area. It's something that is a process, and you have to develop and meditate on. But what the message does is it starts the ball rolling. And potentially, some of you could leave here today mad. And, and that's, when you preach truth, that's what you have to face. Is that the truth literally will set you free, but it may make you mad first. It just may. So, like I said, I'm... I'm, I'm going to lay just some real basic foundation of some things today. This will probably be six Sundays that we'll teach on this. Um, but I'm going to look at Hebrews 4 first and verse 12. Hebrews Four and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Today, through the word of God, we're getting the ball rolling where what happens is the Word of God begins to judge the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And it helps you to know how to really do what you want to do instead of doing what you do out of default. Because none of you in here today, none of you in here today were created bad. You're created in the image of God and He's only good. So any bad things that you've ever done, it was not a result of God leading you. 
It was not a result of revelation on the inside of you, and then you were led to do something bad because, well, I was just created that way. No. No, you were created good because you were created in the image of God, and God is only good. Amen? Today, today what we're talking about is the nature of God and who God is. And the Word of God, what the Word does, what I'm going to share with you today, is going to penetrate your soul and spirit. It's going to divide. It's going to show you some things in your mind and your thinking that are wrong or that are off. Because That's what the Word does. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not here to point out things that are not right in your life. I'm letting the Word do that. And the Word does that. That's what the power of God's Word does. And, and the second verse that I want you to look at in thinking about the Word and what the Word does is um, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All Scripture... In other words, the totality of this book right here, all Scripture, the totality of this book right here, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Word of God, there's nothing that's not profitable in the Word of God. Nothing. There's things that may look that way, but there's not anything that, that will not profit you if you learn to receive it and embrace it. I've said this many times, I'll say it to you again. Every word I've ever heard preached from a meeting that I was in when I was 17 years old, when I first got born again, right after I first got born again, I went to a meeting, and I, and I heard a gentleman say, Every time you hear the Word of God preached, say it with your mouth, I receive it in Jesus' name. And whether you understand it or not, just declare that you receive it. And what I've done on the heels of that is, when I hear the Word of God preached, I receive it, and then I thank God for the Holy Spirit, who's the true teacher, that He will reveal to me the things that I need to see about what was said. Amen? You can't take something that I say as gospel truth. Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. Amen? The Bible's real clear on all that. You need both parts. You, you need by faith to show up here to receive from me. Okay? That's important. That's why you're connected to a house. And it's important. But just receiving from me is not enough. You've got to do something with what you hear and you've got to make it your own. It's got to become a part of you. So you've got to be able to go to the Word yourself and thank God for the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you. So do that today as we're, as, as we're teaching along this line. So the Word of God is always profitable. And it's profitable for doctrine. In other words, doctrinal truths that you establish in, in, on the inside of you in your life. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. And it's profitable for instruction in what's right. So I, I want to profit from the Word of God, and it takes all of the different categories just mentioned there for me to profit so that I can increase in advance. So any one of those that I might be afraid of the only reason you're afraid of is because you don't understand it. 
See, correction in God is not a bad thing. It doesn't send you backwards. It moves you forward. Just the way it works. Unless a seed goes into the ground first and dies, it cannot be resurrected. So what happens is, when we come to the knowledge of the truth of God's Word in regards to certain things, what happens is, we begin to die in the old stuff so we can be resurrected in the new stuff. So we can begin to think like God and quit thinking like we've thought in the past. Amen? So it's profitable... It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And see, there's all kinds of good things that you and I need to be able to step into. We need to be able to go to different parts of the world. And I'm I'm talking about you know, part of that world may be your next door neighbor. Maybe something else that's going on in your community. We need to be able to step out of the comfort of this world right here and make a difference. And when you're thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has called you to do, there's no end to what you can accomplish. Thoroughly equipped, and that's what the Word does for you. So today, as we're talking about the love of God, and we're laying a foundation I want you to remember this. Ephesians chapter 4, 3. Ephesians 3. And verse 17. Ephesians 3 and verse 17. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for this church that they would have insight into. And I'm going to kind of jump right into the middle of the prayer here. And part of the prayer was this, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, goes beyond knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Verse 20, Now in Him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that is working within you. What power? The power of revelation, the revelation of the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love that Christ had for humanity. You could preach this passage in about a dozen or more different directions. But today we're talking about that God wants to do a, a exceeding and abundantly above all that you can even ask or think, things that go even beyond. If I was to ask you, you know, what, what, what do you desire to see happen in your life? You could tell me God wants to do above and beyond that. But the key, the master key that un- unlocks all of your dreams and your heart's desires is that you know and understand what is... The words that he uses here are width, 
length, depth, and height. Right? Width, length, depth, and height of the love that Jesus Christ, who is all man and all God, laid His life down for all of humanity, which in the natural doesn't even make any sense. Somebody that lived over 2,000 years ago could die for me and empower me today to over 2,000 years later doesn't make any natural sense. It goes beyond knowledge. Remember what we just read here. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. You may be able to understand. Remember when we read about what the Word of God does? It divides between your soul and your spirit your actual natural thinking and then the thinking of God. It it divides between the two of those so you can see clearly what's God and what isn't God. That's what the Word does. And in the midst of understanding the Word, you you begin to understand what love is. Now, again, we're just laying some foundation. Three basic, there's others, but three basic categories of what we think of of love. Number one is is friendship type love, philea love. Number two is romantic, physical, eros type love. And number three is divine or agape. And you can use many other words to describe these, but just for the sake of time, we're going to look at these three categories. The Bible says no greater love than when a man lays his life down for his friends. No greater love. And that's what Jesus accomplished. In the verse of Scripture that we just read, that we may be able to comprehend what is the width and the depth, what is the the width and the length, the depth and the height of the love that Jesus had for humanity, of the friendship type love. It's very important. When you enter into relationship with the person that God has for you, for your life, God intended two people to come together and grow together where they wanted to stay together and they wanted to be connected and they want to love each other and they want to have physical and intimate and spiritual and soulish relationship together. You know, connecting them together. There, there is this... this Eros love that God intended for for human beings to have. And it's so vital that we learn to develop that so we can be examples to the rest of the world because, you know, the, the, the world, in the world, marriages are dropping like flies. And to the point that, why would you want to enter into a covenant marriage relationship? Why would you want to enter into covenant marriage relationship when... 70% of marriages end in divorce. Why would you want to do that? You wouldn't if you didn't understand what marriage is really about. Okay? And what true love is about. What real intimate love is about between two people. Well, a three-stranded cord won't be broken. But if it's a two-stranded, it can be separated. Three-stranded cord, in that three-stranded cord of a man and a woman is God. So ultimately, what we have to understand is this divine agape love. 
We have to understand the agape of God, who God really is. And, and as we learn, as we learn the width and the and 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 the length, the depth and the height of the love that God is, when we learn that, then what happens is our marriage relationships and our friendships begin to work. Amen? So I want to show you a couple of things in Scripture here that are vital. Again, we're just today we're laying foundation for this series because it's so very important. First John chapter four and verse six. First John four and six. <clears throat> For we are of God, he who knows God hears us, he who, is not, he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, He who does not Love does not know God, for God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Say it again. God is love. So, God is love. Now, if, if you don't approach this revelation from the fact that God is love, you may, in reading these Scriptures, never even get to the part that says God is love because as you read verse 7 and the first part of verse 8, you could meditate on the fact that you don't love because there's an enemy out there that will remind you of the people that you're not loving. The people maybe before church that you were ugly to. Maybe when you were driving here. Uh, maybe, um, you know, maybe Tony out in the parking lot out there didn't shake your hand exactly right and you got offended with him or something. I mean, and then, I mean, who, who knows what could be on your mind that you've been affected by even this week? So you're reading that and, and, and it says, he that doesn't love, doesn't know God. Well, oh my gosh, what does that mean? I'm actually not born again because I was ugly this week? You see, we, our, our heads can get really twisted with this kind of stuff. But see, today, I'm here to tell you that God is love. And if God is love, then every time... All through Scripture, all through the Bible, as you read about God, you have to begin to replace the word God with the word love. Because God to us, to humanity, a lot of times is something that is bigger than something that you can even fathom. And, and actually, to a lot of people, that word God is kind of scary. You know? 
There's a picture of, not necessarily a picture of a being, but I think there's a picture of a big club associated with that being that goes with who God is. Where He's looking to hammer you and hit you upside the head and take you out for every single thing that you don't do right. But really, if you, if you look at these verses of Scripture, verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. And we're going to, in, in our next session, we're going to talk about what it means to love each other and to understand, truly to understand the love of God from loving someone else. But today, as we're reading these verses, I want you to see something real clear. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and he knows God. He who does not love does not know God. So, could it be that you can be born again and not know God? And think about it, don't, don't answer because... I want you to look stupid. No. <laughs> Can you be born again, born again, okay, born of the love of God, and yet not know God? Absolutely. Absolutely. If 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 I if if I'd never met Lee Dunning and I met him and I shook hands with him, in that moment we met, okay. Being born again is like meeting God. It's connecting with Him, okay? But from that day on is where you develop a relationship with God. See, what he said here is, what he said here in verse 7 was, let us love one another, okay? There is a, notice, he didn't say, let us reason together and decide if we're going to love each other. No. It wasn't an option. It was a command. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, okay? You can't, in other words, you can't find love in sex. But sexual relationship can be the result of understanding what true love is, and it can be a, a beautiful thing. It can be a fulfilling, amazing thing. but you won't find it in sex. You won't find love in friendship. But there is friendships as a result of knowing God that are amazing relationships. And you know, most of my friendships that are amazing, I hardly ever see those people. See, there's not a real friendship is not connected to possessiveness. Well, you know, you, you, you're, you're here and so you've got to be my friend. And now all of a sudden, there's all this responsibility now that we're putting on each other that you've got to fulfill. See, not in God. You can be a friend with someone and when you're secure in God, they can have a dozen other friends 
and you're not threatened by it. I'm not saying you won't have thoughts about it. Right? But when you're meditating the Word, the Word will help you to separate between your thoughts and your mind and what the Holy Ghost is saying on the inside. You see? Then they can have a dozen other friends and you're not threatened by it because of your relationship with God. That's what he's saying right here. He said, he said, the command is, beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God, okay? Everyone who loves is born of God, okay? And see, if you just stop right there, then, then you could have a case on the fact that, okay, maybe I'm not born again because I didn't love. No, the deal is this. The command is to love, and love is of God, and if you're developing a relationship with God, then you're going to learn to be a true friend and you're going to be, learn to be a true lover when it's time for you to be a lover. So you'll learn all that stuff because of your relationship with God. Not because you're trying to find it in all the wrong places. You know, you know what I've seen through the years? I've seen this happen so many different times. Where because people are wounded and they're not dealing with the wounds, okay? The enemy will send to them in their life a wrong friend, quote. Somebody that will pet that thing and encourage the resistance against who's hurt them, encouraging certain things, and what will happen is that person will come in their life and begin to have this control over their life that no one was supposed to have except the Holy Ghost. But people will come in when you're offended and when you're hurt, and they'll control. See? And you know what? You know, if that's never, if you've never been that way, meet me after service for coffee, because I want to talk to you about how you've been able to not ever do that. Right? So see, I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking at you. This is what happens. See, if we don't come to a place where we understand and develop a relationship with God who is love, then none of the other relationships will work. And you, you will, if, if, if you're not married today and you're trying to find true love in someone else, you're looking in the wrong place. Many times, when we're thinking that fulfillment is going to become as a result of someone else, see, the world didn't teach this. And don't be hammered if, you know, you did that and you, whatever. God takes you where you're at today. Can you say amen? He'd take you today and say, you know what? I want you to begin to make some choices, some new choices, so you don't make some of those wrong choices anymore. Because you will not find fulfillment and true love and satisfaction in another person anywhere never ever <clears throat> a while back somebody asked me so like as a pastor so like how do you do stuff with the guys and I said what guys well you know you, I mean you, you got to have guy time so what's that look like I used to have drunk guy time, you know. I used to have promiscuous kind of 
guy and girl time. Used to have this and that and the other, but I mean, none of it ever produced any good fruit. You know what I'm saying? So, I know I knew where he was going, but I was baiting him. I said, so what, what's your guy time look like? So he told me, you know, told me all the stuff that he does and all this. I said, so, so how, how does that go, like, with your marriage relationship? She hates it. Yeah, right? Yeah. Why? Don't, don't, don't leave here and misunderstand because I'm fixing to bring the rest of the story. I'm going to bring you some Paul Harvey on this. <clears throat> some of you don't know who Paul Harvey is. <laughs> anyway, is he still alive? No? He is? All right, anyway, um, don't get off. So here's the thing. Okay. There, there are a few people in my world, in my world, that don't live in this town, that like to do some things that I like to do, okay? And so, I like to play golf, and I like to ride motorcycles, you know? I like to do certain things that I did in the past, there's still certain things like that that I like to do. But my wife is my best friend. And I would have rather be with her than anybody else. You see? But because we're secure in our relationship and we're not threatened by each other, okay? If I'm going to have some guy time, which I've got to, she's got to push me out the door to, to take, you know. If I'm going to have some guy time, we're in agreement about it. If she's going to have girl time in the same world, it's something that we're in agreement about. It's not something that we're threat. It's not something I've got to go do because, man, I can't stand her. But you can live that life if you don't understand God. See, because this won't be right if there's not that third strand that makes the difference in all the other stuff. I'm not saying it's not... It's, I'm not saying that there's not difficult times. I'm going to say it again. I didn't say there's not difficult times. I didn't say that there's not heated conversations and things that we've had to work through through the years. Oh, yeah. Like anybody else. But when God, when God is that third strand that outweighs everything else, and He becomes the final answer. Hmm? Remember that show... Want to be a millionaire or whatever it was? Regis Philbin, remember? And the guy would come under the lamp. And he'd answer the question. Final answer? Yeah. Yeah, be a millionaire. Final answer, okay? Final answer to this whole thing is that if we're right, then everything else will be right. But we can't be right without the final answer coming from God. He's got to be the deciding factor in what we do. And you have to, you have to see, He's not going to come and speak to you out of the clouds, and He's not going to, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't wake up in the night and have dreams and visions because those things are real, but that is not predominantly how He speaks to us. He speaks to us through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of us. And so this book... And the revelation of this book has to become real to you. And you have to understand God through the pages of this. And when you begin to understand Him through the pages of this, then things begin to make sense. So see, God is love. 
And if you're not loving in a certain situation, it's because the revelation of who God is based on that situation has not become real to you or you'd be walking in love. doesn't mean you're not walking in love in other areas. But there's just areas where we need more development. And I just, I just tell you right now, every time that it is revealed to me where I need to do more and do better, man, it's encouraging. Because see, I go back to 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for what? There's times when I need correction. The Word sometimes will bring correction to me. Sometimes my wife will speak something to me in the form of correction because she wants good for my life and vice versa. You see? Sometimes other, my, my pastor and other men of God in my life will speak a word of correction. I need the word of correction. You and I need at times to be corrected. But ultimately, the ultimate correction comes from the word of God. Because I can tell somebody to do something. I can bring a word of correction. But if you don't do anything with it, it won't change you. See, it's got to become real to you. So where we don't love, it's because we're not connected with God who is love in that area that, that we're speaking. So, receive the correction, receive the reproof, receive the training in righteousness, receive whatever it is that we need to make us better so that we keep increasing and moving forward and walking in love and being an example to the world about how great God is. Amen? Okay, real quickly. Turn back a page, if you're in a Bible Bible. Turn back a page, actually, to the first verse of chapter 3 of 1 John. 1 John 3, 1, and I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible. I like this out of the Message. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who He is or what He's up to. <laughs> Leave that verse up there. Meditate on that for just a minute. <laughs> see, see, when you walk in love, the world doesn't understand that because they don't know God and they don't really know what He's up to. Actually, every time that I walk in love with another human being, you know what I'm doing? I'm setting the stage for another human being to be blessed through me. Because when the world looks at you and you don't get upset with what someone else does, they don't understand it because they don't know God and they don't know what He's up to. What He's up to is them getting free so that other people get free. Hmm? And how in the world, how in the world can other people get free? How can other people get free if you're not free? They can't. It takes someone else. God's not going to come back in the form of Jesus Christ anymore. Now we know Jesus Christ, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, and where's the Spirit? In us. And now people know God the way they knew Him through Jesus Christ, through us. So we have to act like Jesus. Amen? John 3.16. <clears throat> John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that He what? He cried? No. He gave. He ran? No. He backed up? No. He went forward. He gave. He gave. He, he, he gave something to receive something back. Hebrews 12 says what he, was, what he had vision of when He gave was you and me. That's what He had vision. He had vision of the redemption of mankind. God so loved that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved that He gave. Another thing that you have to that you have to think on and meditate on. True giving comes out of the love that you have for someone else or for something else. It's the love that we have. But we're not talking about that today. But remember that. We're just laying foundation for the, for the next messages. And then Matthew 22 and 40. And I'm giving you this because in our next message, we're going to take up from this Matthew verse. But Matthew 22 and 40 says, <clears throat> well, I should have, verse 36, the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, man, they were always trying to trip him up and trying to trying to stump him and didn't think that he knew anything, you know. In verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything that had been spoken before this time, everything that had been prophesied, hung on these two commandments. Everything. You love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now get this. When you allow the Word to separate your heart and your mind and your, and your spirit, your heart and your soul, when you allow the Word of God to separate your thinking, to where you begin to think like God, you can love your neighbor. You know why? Because first you learn to love yourself. You know that most people sitting in here t today, most of you sitting in here today, I don't want to raise of hands or anything else, but I want you to think about it. Most people in too many areas of their life don't love themselves. There's reasons why we don't love ourselves. You're not bad, just some stuff and things and contamination of the past and it keeps us from love. That's why we don't love our neighbor because we judge our neighbor instead of love our neighbor. See, we judge our neighbor many times with our weaknesses to make ourselves feel better instead of learning to love ourselves through our relationship with God so that we can love neighbor, which is everybody but you. It's not your next door neighbor. It's whoever, anybody that you come in contact with. It's not you. That's your neighbor. So you're able to love your neighbor, love everybody else, because you love yourself. I'm not talking about loving yourself in pride. I'm talking about loving the creation and who you are and be, being content, not satisfied, but content with who you are today and where you're at, but, but with expectation increasing, not just for the good of yourself, but for the good of others. Amen?
So we'll, we'll, we'll take this message, um, we'll take it up from this verse in our next series. But I want to end today. I've gone a little bit long. But I want to end with 1 Corinthians 13. And this will be a chapter that we'll kind of look at in every message that we preach. 1 Corinthians 13 is, quote, the love chapter. The love chapter. It's the love boat. Amen? (laughs) But anyway, uh, can you give me that? Do you got it in the Amplified? Yes. And you're going to start with verse 1. Okay, I'm just going to read eight verses, okay? This is like reading 25 verses in the Amplified. But just just follow me. If I can speak in the tongues of men and, and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, God's love, God's love in me, I am nothing. A useless nobody. Verse 3. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Verse 4. This is what love does, okay? This is what love does. See, we're not talking about, we're not talking about you. We're talking about what love does. We're not talking about what you think someone else does. We're talking about what love does. And who is love? God is love. Love is God, right? So, God, okay, since it says love there, God endures long and is patient and He's kind and He never, and, and he never is envious and God never boils over with jealousy. God's not boastful. He's not vainglorious. does not display Himself haughtily. God is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. He's not rude or unmannerly. He does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on his own rights or his own way. For it's not, for he is not uh, self-seeking. He's not touchy or fretful or resentful. He takes no account of an evil done. He pays no attention to a suffered wrong. God, love, okay. God does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Verse 7, God, love, bears up under anything and everything that comes. He is ever ready to believe the best of every person. He hope, his hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And, it, and He endures everything without weakening. Watch this. Love never fails. God never fails. He never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end or says, sorry, the thing you're going through is just too big. Never. 
Who? God. So, why in the world would I want to spend all of my time in life warring for a friendship? Why would I want in my life to spend all my time chasing after thinking that some sexual relationship is going to be what I need? Why would I want to spend all of my life doing anything other than developing a relationship with this guy who never does anything wrong, always makes the right choices, never is moved by what anybody else does, never quits, never gets frustrated, never comes to the end of himself, never ever does anything. Why would I want to spend and invest my time in anything but him? Well, I mean, we were all born at maybe at night, but not last night. I mean, we can figure this thing out that if we spend more time with him and develop relationship and intimacy with him, then all the other stuff's going to work. And it was created to work. The three categories of love that I mentioned, God created all those. And where you've not had, where you've had friendships that have wreaked havoc in your life, it's because of the lack of God. It's not because, you know, you're a bad person. Well, maybe it's all, it's all me. Well, in a sense it is because of the lack of God. You know, if, if you've had 17 friendships that have gone south, you know, there's one component that's the same in all 17, and it's you, right? Okay, but it doesn't mean that you're bad and there's something, there's something that is unfixable in you. You were created good. Amen? You were created good. God's good. So what we, you and I have to do is we have to embrace the fact that we've got to know God and whatever that takes so that we can walk in God or walk in love and demonstrate these attributes in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the nature of who God is, we can demonstrate that to a, a dying world because one of the Scriptures we'll read next time says that the reason that the world doesn't believe, well, in fact, in fact, wait a minute, that was a verse I didn't read. The next verse, I think, that I didn't read in... No one. Anyway, there's another verse that we'll read that says that the world doesn't believe in God because they don't see the love in us. And what so so what's lacking is it's not this pressure. Well, you know, you know, I, I talked to this person about coming to church, but then I was really ugly. What does that have to do with anything? You know, I've been ugly. Lately. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, sometime I was ugly. But you know what doesn't change God? But see, but see when, when, when I am forgiven and I do something ugly, but yet I'm willing to be corrected and allow the Word to correct me and I go and repent for that thing, it speaks volumes. It doesn't make any sense to people. What in the world did He come tell me that for? Because of what we're working on. We're getting to the bottom of. We're getting delivered of and set free of. So that the world can know that there's really a God. Amen?
the nature of love, the nature of God that we need to know about is in the pages of this book right here. We're going to dissect it, stay with it until we're done with it. And I'm going to give you, on the last message, I'm going to give you a 30-day challenge that I gave to this church years ago that will do something in your life that you don't think it'll do. And, and you'll come and tell me about it. And at the end of 30 days, we may have a whole service. We might just have a whole service where people come and share what's happened in them as a result of this challenge that I'm going to give you at the end of this series. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day. Thank you for this time together around your word. Thank you, Lord, for what the word brings to us and what it brings to the table. Thank you to, to, to today and, and this day and, and throughout this day that your people will be aware of things in ways that they haven't been aware before because of what your word is doing. And Lord, so much I thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit who is revealing the truth of this to your people from this day forward that we will never ever be the same again in regards to understanding love who you are. That, that as we add to what we already have, it's going to make us even that much better and that much more aware of how to walk it out and to live it and exist. And so many more people's lives are weighing in the balance. And we just thank you for the opportunity and the many opportunities that you present before us day to day. We just give you all the praise today and the glory. And everybody said, amen and amen.